Welcome, everyone, to the Neil World Order podcast. We are coming to you a little later on a Saturday night. It's about quarter to midnight. Um, It's been kind of a busy Friday, Saturday night for me. Um, Well, Saturday night wasn't as busy as uh, Friday night. But anyways, yeah, so uh, we're coming to you a little late tonight because I stayed up to watch uh, WWE SummerSlam, which... uh, was pretty much predictable. I mean, you had the return of Becky Lynch, and then you had the return of Brock Lesnar at the very end. I think both were kind of predictable. It was just a matter of how and when each one of them was going to show up. I guess Becky Lynch probably being the highlight of the night. Uh, WWE kind of had a you know a lot on their hands to try to do after CM Punk debuted and signed with AEW Wrestling and showed up on uh, <clears throat> AEW Rampage in Chicago last night and pretty much set the wrestling world on fire and probably honestly dealt a huge blow to the WWE, which has kind of been a tanking ship for a couple of years now. Even pre-pandemic, the writing's gotten bad and it's almost like they don't even care and they just keep releasing good talent, not using the good talent still on the roster. And it's honestly just been, ugh. It's one of those things like, I, I watch it, and I cringe, and, and I probably don't enjoy hardly any of it, but I always watch it. So I, I don't know if it's just the hope that it's going to get better, or if it's just like this, uh, you know, I'm used to doing it, so I'm just doing it out of habit, or some form of, hey, I have to watch this. It's gotten better, I think, on Monday nights of barely watching Monday Night Rob, just because it's, it's awful. But... Um, I think with All Elite Wrestling making some really good moves, I think it's going to be a fun... uh, We may get it back to where it was in the 90s with the Monday Night Wars between WWE and WCW, but we'll see. Also, we had a a huge fundraiser today for uh, Alberts. We were out at uh, Whiskey Ranch in Delavan, which has some of the most amazing food, seriously. And the staff there, are like 99% of them are amazing. Um, they have the best waffle fries, like, I could just sit there, I think I ate, like, almost all my fries before I even took a bite of my chicken sandwich tonight with dinner, um, we had a raffle, uh, they do, like, a, a, a a bike ride, like, for, like, the Harley guys, I think that's what you'd call it, a ride, I don't know, it's in memory of one of their friends, uh, one of these, some of these guys, and then, we had raffle prizes, all that raised about seven thousand dollars for the pups, which is kind of cool. You know, it's awesome, um, especially considering you know you still have some people that don't like to gather and do things or whatever now. But it was hot as crap out. Well, humid, humid wise, like I can't recall a year, at least since I've been up here, where the heat has just been so miserable, and you just want it to go away. Like I, I'm looking for, I may just go roll around in the snow the first time we get it in October. Or whatever, if it doesn't come sooner. Or maybe it won't snow. Maybe it's just going to stay hot all year. Because we didn't even get a spring. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of been my weekend. I I did some uh, door dashing last night. I actually had a delivery to one of the local strip clubs. And if you're a good friend of mine, you saw the picture I sent of the delivery information. Everyone got a a giggle out of it, even my wife. And, yes, I did get tipped in some... uh, dollar bills, which I then redistributed somewhere else, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I guess to start the show off, uh, 
tonight, um, I kind of went in a different direction with the music thing. You know, I told you how, like, a lot of times these things just fall in my lap. You know, just kind of, oh, I hear a song on the radio, it comes on my my music, commercial, whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, man, that song's great, or that band's great. Um, so I was driving the other day, uh, and this song came through my playlist, and I was like, damn, I forgot how much I love this song. Um, the song is Change in the House of Flies by the Deftones. The Deftones are actually, they're great. Uh, maybe a lot of you haven't heard of them. Uh, it's kind of heavy and dark music. Um, they were real big in the mid to late 90s. I think they're still putting out some music now. I'm not real sure. Uh, but anyways, Change is its a great song. It's kind of creepy, but there's just something about it I love. Like, I just, the, the musical arrangement... Um, it's just, it's definitely worth a listen. I think it was, it's been featured in, uh, you know, I think it was originally on the Queen of the Damned soundtrack, and then it was featured in uh, The Following, the Kevin Bacon show, which is actually a really good show if you ever get a chance to watch it. I think it might still be on Netflix. But yeah, the Deftones are a complete 180 from R.E.M., which we talked about last week. But like I said, that's my music taste. It's just kind of all over. Um... No whiskey tonight. I'm actually drinking water. Had quite a, a few adult beverages uh, today, earlier, at the uh, at the whiskey yield whiskey ranch. It was you know had to stay hydrated, right? No, I know alcohol doesn't hydrate you. But anyways, I digress. So I watched the new Suicide movie the other day on HBO Max, which the whole HBO Max thing where you can watch stuff that's in the theater for it's kind of cool. I I know I, I like going to the theater, but, like, the good ones are kind of far from me. Like, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. So, like, not having to do that and being able to watch it in my house and pause it, have all the snacks I want and not spend $7,000, um, you know, kind of makes me happy. I have a 70-inch TV, so, like, how much, you know, bigger of a screen do I need? Uh, but but this Suicide Side Squad movie, it was actually better than the other, the uh, first one, and then the Birds of Prey movie was, was fucking awful. The, um, but uh, John Cena and Idris Elba were great. Uh, it was kind of funny, and I mean, it was really good for a DC movie. I mean, most of the DC movies are terrible, you know. Um, James Gunn, who directed uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, directed this one. Um, like I said, I give DC an A for a far better effort on this film. Um, it just seems like they, they just can't find a formula to compete with Marvel though. I mean, the, when you take the DC movies, you have like the Christopher Nolan Bat, Batman movies like Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rise. Like those are epic. Those are, those are on their own and they're almost too good to even be associated with like Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, Wonder Woman, yada yada, Green Lantern, if you will. Um, but yeah, and you know, almost every other DC movie other than those Batman movies it has been crap. Like just, you know, the CG's bad, it's just poor production. It's just, you know, I think if you take the three Christopher Nolan Batman movies aside, uh, the first Wonder Woman was really, I thought was good. Um, the second one was uh, just a huge pile of shit. Um, but yeah, you know, check out the Suicide Squad if you get a chance. It's, it, like I said, it wasn't terrible. I, I found it mildly entertaining, and it wasn't pretty much just a movie all about Harley Quinn, which it seems like the other two were pretty much just Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn. But it, it, it was cool.
Um, if you unless you live in a cave, you're probably aware of the events that transpired in Afghanistan this week. You know, and let, let's let's talk about some of the details first before we look at the why and how all this happened. Which I don't even know if we can. So we left $10 billion worth of taxpayer-funded military equipment behind the Biden administration did. It includes firearms, you know, military-grade, Black Hawk helicopters, uh, fighter jets, military ground vehicles, and, and armor, armories of ammunition. Upwards of 15,000 U.S. citizens are still left there, whether they're defense contractors, um medical workers, uh, just people trying who are on the ground trying to help, you know, in the civilian class as well as, you know, some some military as well. Um, there was a military there that we trained and a government that we helped establish. It's all gone. Uh, we spent over $2 trillion, $2 trillion over 20 years, not to mention thousands of U.S. soldiers lost in those 20 years and over 20,000 injured. All that money, all that time invested, all that equipment, high-end military equipment, which inevitably will be sold to our enemies and allow them to dissect the technology or learn how to beat it or use it against us or against other civilians in other countries in the region. God only knows. Um... All those lives lost are people suffering, you know, with lasting injuries, told they were fighting a war on terror, sold on this belief that we were making the world a safer place, you know, and, and then all for what? You know, and I, I'm the first one to stand here and say, you know, we can't police the world, we shouldn't have to police the world, but I think this is a bit of a different instance. Like, we literally left people to die, period. There was no plan on this. This was just a straight withdrawal, and it was done ass-backwards and unorganized. And anyone who's anyone has talked about it this week and just said, you know, this was further proof that we have an administration that doesn't have a clue as to what they're doing, which everyone we, we, we said was going to happen, but now we're actually seeing that, into, you know, go into place. Um, you know, if you look at it the right way, we'd think we should have got the civilians out either got the equipment out and destroyed it, you know, put way more thought into the logistics of this and made sure that these people could defend themselves. I mean, we spent countless time and resources training, you know, an Afghan army. And clearly they didn't have any fight in them. They simply just ran from the Taliban. You know, and, and that, to me, that that's crazy. Like, you can't convince me that someone in power, some general, some whatever who was training these people, didn't have reservations on what would happen if we weren't there to maybe do some of the grunt work for these people. Like, you know, somebody wasn't like, oh, yeah, they're, they're coming along, but you know what? Without us, these guys are just going to roll over and die. You know, and actually some people did try to send similar messages up the chain, but the Biden administration disregarded any intel from people on the ground, and crazy old Creepy Joe made his own choices, which he stood by in his mumble-jumble, idiotic press conference, or whatever you want to call it, where he took no questions and made this half-assed attempt to address the American people. You know, and I look at it, and I'm like, seriously, though, you fucking liberals voted for a 78-year-old Alzheimer patient with a history of bad policy, and you expected a different result? 
like Biden and all the liberals can spin this however they want, but this is on them 100%, probably 150%. You know, we've all seen footage of people clinging to cargo plane, the cargo plane as it's leaving Kabul. Kabul. Even worse, the people held on during takeoff and are falling you know, 100,000 feet to their death. They found a body in one of the wheel landing gear wheel wells of the plane. Um, he was a youth, like, soccer player. You look at that and imagine, like, taking that risk. Like, n nobody in their right mind knows you can knows you can't hold on to an airplane. You can't. Like, it, it, you know, Superman in a DC movie or something can, but, like, that's not going to end well. So to take that chance and know how it's probably going to end, like, imagine how bad you must think it's going to be if you stay. Like, that was the alternative. You know, and <clears throat> I, I can't fathom knowing that. Um, you know, and we have, like I said, aid workers still there. You know, there's the Afghan citizens who helped us, translators, uh, and other things. People, you, know, you see the report, these people are being killed, their families are being killed. Um, you know, and Joe himself said, hey, we, we, you know, we, we probably won't be able to save everybody. Like, really? Like, how, what kind of credibility do we have anywhere in the world again when we're like, hey, yeah, you helped us, but eh. Sorry, you're just going to have to be set on fire in front of your family. Like, it's kind of sickening that this administration allowed this to happen. That any administration would. I mean, I can't even fathom the optics, the new... Had Trump... This had been on Trump's watch. I Like, think think about all the, the stink that was made over things. Trump technically never, never even did. The shit they just made up and tried to accuse him of and spent years, you know, going, having committees on, and, and none of it was true. It was all fabricated. This is actually real stuff. And, you know, apparently the whole, the Biden administration doesn't adhere to the no man left behind ideology. It's every man for himself. To the point now where he's actually making deals with the Taliban to get people out. So, hey, yeah, we gave you all kinds of military-grade technology and equipment, and now we're going to give you cash that you're going to use to fund terrorism around the world, to train terrorists, and probably will come back to bite it. It's like giving someone a gun and telling them to shoot you in the foot. Or maybe in the eye. I, I, I don't know. You know, so instead of dismantling and destroying the group that hid, housed, and worked with bin Laden and al-Qaeda, we're going to give them money, supplies, and God knows what. There's going to be way more than what they'll actually tell us. Because if they'll tell us the other stuff, which is already insulting our intelligence, thinking like we shouldn't be mad about it, we should understand. Um, and it, all of this comes down to pretty much having people in charge who are borderline retarded. Like, that's ultimately how things like this happen so you know like i said we spent two decades trying to defeat these guys only to bend over and hand them artillery equipment and pretty much a country back it just makes us look weak i i think it honestly shows the world that biden and, and his administration are a complete joke they have no credibility you know and i can't say the rest of the world didn't already believe that on their own you know, so we all we've done is cement that legacy, you know, and Biden's taken no questions on it. He's not wanted to answer for it because, 
you know, which is weird because you'd think being a liberal, he'd just want to stand in front of the microphone and blame other people because liberals don't have accountability for anything. Everything is always someone else's fault. And that's, that's why they're dumb. Um, <clears throat> and then he went back on vacation and Kabbalah heals up Harris is God knows where doing God knows what. Um, I think they keep putting her on a plane and sending her, sending her places, hoping there's some kind of an engine failure on the plane and it just hasn't happened yet. So, yeah, there's that. You know, sometimes I wish there wasn't so much of this crap to talk about. I, I honestly really do. Like, I could sit on here and talk about wrestling for hours. I could talk about sports for hours. But I know people don't want to hear that. Um, life stories, um, which I'm going to get back to. Uh, I've talked to a couple people about being on the show that, you know, will give us some different aspects of things. You know, we'll probably be straying from politics, COVID, just to talk about life experiences some of these people have had. Um, but anyway, so depending on what part of the country you live in, um, your kids are either back in school, you know, summer vacation's over, they're getting ready to go back to school. Fall sports are back in most places, I believe. Uh, I saw people practicing on practice fields the other day when I was driving around. Uh, my alma mater, the Upperman Bees, actually won their first football game of the season, beating down Cookville, which you've all get a, always got to love because those Cookville kids deserve it. You know, I, I've, for years I've told myself, one weekend I'm just going to drive down and pop in for a football game. And, and I've honestly wanted to for years. It just never works out. Uh, maybe this is the year where I, I do it. I don't know. There's just there's something cool about small-town Friday night football games. Um if you know, you know, you know, um, it, it isn't something I can kind of really explain. It just, it, it just has a different feel, you know, and as someone who played in a big town up north, like in a, a more metropolitan area, and then in a small town in the south, which a small town's a small town, you know, does it being in the south was just part of the detail. There's a difference. Like it's, it's more, and I think it's more than trying to relive glory years or the memories of your youth. Um, I think it's something that just brings the whole town together. You know, there's there's no one in town because everyone is at the game. And, you know, often it's that way, even if the team isn't good. You know, when I played in high school, a football team, we, we sucked. We were brutal, terrible. Like, uh, you know, I went from being around programs that were organized, well-coached, you know, different types of athletes to, you know, I got down there and... You know, we didn't have athletes anywhere near what kids are today. Um, the commitment that kids today put in, the work, it's a hundredfold over what we did, you know, when I was in high school. And that's not a knock on all the guys I played with or, or myself. Uh, I consider myself an underappreciated talent. It was one of those things where one day I was going to be as good as I already thought I was. And, well, you know how that goes. Um, you know, but looking back as I got older, um, I didn't realize we had awful coaches. That's not the reason we lost, but um, they they were awesome guys, but very low football IQ, you know. And I think it showed a lot when we were on the field when we played. We were running like Pop Warner Pee Wee offenses against better high school teams running college type things. And uh, anyways, props to kids and teachers. Uh, I honestly, I mean, I hear some of it. I can't imagine the bullshit you guys are dealing with every day. And, you know, you look at it, this will almost be like the third school year where you've had to deal with this whole 
plandemic, new normal, COVID bullshit, you know. And it used to be that school was just, like, to educate kids. You know, now it's all about creating this whole indoctrinate society and make more liberal zombies. I mean, think about it. Kid, kids are, oh, they have bullshit ident gender identity shit, critical race theory, or some other form of liberal nonsense thrown at them daily in school, or at least on the month. And anyone who isn't eating the garbage that is, is singled out, you know, and the same goes for teachers. You want to be a, try to be a teacher and a Republican, you almost have to keep your mouth shut because everyone higher up is going to be some liberal ass-kiss douchebag that doesn't know their ass from a hole in the ground. You know, and every school board's made of liberal dipshits who don't know shit about shit and want to tell you, you know, that they know best for your kids. Honestly, if, I mean, I guess I kind of do now. But it's online. But homeschool your kids, or do the you know like I said, do the online thing. Find them a private school. Um, I can tell you firsthand that private school education my my kid got far exceeds anything the public school ever had to offer. And I, I'm not a religious person, so it wasn't a you know a, a, I didn't send her to public school system you know up until like seventh grade. For that reason, it was just, you know, I came from the school of, hey, if you pay for it, it's probably better, and the results were in the pudding, and I honestly don't think we ever had any problems with her until she was in the public school as far as attitude, slacking with work, and I think a lot of that is, some of that was osmosis, some of that's, you know, teenagers being teenagers, but, um, yeah, I was sitting here thinking about this the other day when I was putting this together, and I was like, wow. Like, my kid's going to graduate school this year, maybe. Um, and, the, you know, and then who knows? You know, she's kind of like me. She didn't really, she doesn't really have a, def a definite plan yet. And there's times where I think it should worry me more. But, like I said, I didn't. I mean, I, t I think I turned out all right. I have a great life. Uh, I mean, I literally did everything the hard way and learned about learned a lot about life by screwing up. But, you know, I think that's all part of the journey, right? That's kind of the, that's the dash between your born date and death date is all the journey of your life. Um, you know, and for me, it's a double-edged sword because it's hard to push college, you know, when I personally don't think it gives her anything of value. And, and I honestly mean that. I mean, our colleges have just become woke shit shows where learning is the least of what they want to give your kids. You know, but on the same hand, we want our kids to be in a position to succeed. So, you know, you have this catch-22. It's like, do we push them to attain crippling debt, only to struggle to find a job in their field? Or do we just let them kind of live and figure it out and see what happens? You know, and it, it I, I believe it's tougher now uh, to an extent. I mean, everyone, you know... I just, the whole thing, it, life, I don't know if life's tougher, or if the process or the system is tougher, and it's an, a bad combination because the people aren't. The people aren't mentally tough. The people aren't emotionally tough like they used to be. You know, and you could you can get all the education in your world, and everyone and their mother is hiring, you know, and mostly it's because people don't want to work, and, you know, the government doesn't want them to. When I was uh, door dashing the other night, the local Taco Bell, actually, I, I was going to pick up an order, and the girl's like, well, I'm the only one here. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, everyone left. I'm like, okay. 
that's unheard of. Like, people just walk off their jobs, and then later they got more people to come in or something. I had another order, so I went through there, and I was talking to the real nice kid at the drive-thru, and then they had some kind of um, equipment problems in there, and they were going to have to shut down for the night. You know, they were talking about everyone yelling at them, and, you know, so I was like, hey, well, where are all the people you used to work with that were here, you know? How long have you been here? You know, and he said, well, you know, they don't come to work. The upper management people don't care because it's all part of a corporate infrastructure. I mean, at the end of the day, Taco Bell didn't care that that person was in there by herself and maybe could get robbed or, you know, burn the place down or put herself in some. They, they cared about making a dollar and selling you a fucking chalupa. So I think to some extent there's a lot more power in the employee's hand now than there was. But at the same time, it's like anything. You can't have too much on one end and not enough on the other. I think maybe before there was too much on the employer end. And, you know, and like I said, you can kind of dictate what you want to do. There's a lot of work from home stuff. I honestly believe if I wanted to, I could DoorDash straight and not work my job and probably make the same, if not more, doing the hustle. But it's like, I like my job. I'm in a good place. And, you know, the DoorDash thing is just kind of free money is the way I look at it because nobody wants to work. So it's like, okay, I'll take this free money. So, yeah, if you're looking for any extra money or just, you know, you get bored. Like I said, I don't work more than 12 hours a week doing that. And, I, I'm pushing $800 this month. Um, what else? I never really finished my script this week. So, um, yeah, I just had a lot going. Work was busy. So now we're kind of going off the top of my head. These are the shows where I feel like when my wife listens to them, she always says they're really bad. She says, you were all over the place. And that, I mean, part of it, that's kind of how my mind works. You know, it's here, it's there. It's like, oh, yeah, hey, did you guys hear about that? Um, but yeah, so maybe it'll just be a short episode this week because I don't want to go on and on and drive everyone crazy. Uh, make sure you check out the t-shirt site. Um, go to, uh, bleh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, all kinds of links there to get you to the merch site. I uh, love hearing from viewers all over the, uh, country. Uh, we've been growing a lot. Way more listeners are coming in, which is cool. Which, sorry if I gave you a bad episode this week. It's just been a long weekend. I, I, I feel like the Friday night shows go way better than the Saturday night ones. I think sometimes when I'm doing a Saturday night show, it's because I've got so much going on. And I'm actually tired by the time I get to the podcast. Like, not going to lie, it was probably about 8 o'clock tonight when I was like, oh shit, I've got to do the podcast tonight. Because I don't like doing it on Sunday because then it's just kind of like, nah. But anyways, folks, that's all I got for the night short and sweet, um, just like Danny DeVito. So, uh, have a great weekend and we'll see you all next week.